the 2nd of August, 2007, episode 83. The Rookie Designer, with your host, Adam Hay. Let's take a look at the starting lineup. We are part of an ever-changing world of communication, and it seems the last five years and the next five are probably going to see some of the most rapid changes in how information is relayed to consumers. Now, This means big things for us not only in our design lives, but how we consume products and services as well. Today we're going to talk about the current state of multimedia advertising and how it's going to affect our careers in design. Right, I want to thank everybody for joining me. If there's any new listeners out there, hopefully you will enjoy what you listen to here. And uh, you can always go back and listen to all the archives that are on the feed. Uh, if you'd like to listen to the archived episodes that are not on the feed, you can find those at rookiedesigner.com slash rookie. And you just go to the side panel there where it says fast links or quick links. Hmm, which one does it say? I think it says quick links. And I don't know. I don't have it open. Anyways, go to that sidebar there and you can find archived episodes and uh, just click on that and you'll be able to download little zip files that contain both the show notes and as well as the the show for that as well. And it is called Archived Episodes and it is under the Fast Links on the right-hand side. Again, that's rookiedesigner.com slash rookie. Uh, Those of you who have been with me for the long haul, thank you as always for tuning in and subscribing and uh, helping this podcast go. We have some good news. Uh, First of all, I'm back from vacation, as you will know, and the vacation was a complete success. I actually took some things to work on or some things to think about work and uh, didn't think about work once while I was on vacation. So that's why I call it a success. I did some camping up in Northern California, which is always good to get away from technology altogether and uh, makes you not think about anything. Of course, I didn't have my computer or anything like that. Uh, Just my trusty iPod for music in the car, of course. Um, I found out when I got back, uh, one of my buddies, Randy, who who does some podcasting himself, let me know that I actually was in the uh, top 10, as it is this year, of the uh, podcast awards for education. So for those of you who actually went out and nominated this podcast for a podcast award, thank you so much. It it obviously worked. Uh, Last year, there was a top five that people would vote for. It looks like there's a top 10 for all the categories this year. So we are in that top 10. And uh, some of the usual suspects are there as well. Tips from the top floor was our main competition. They actually ended up winning last year. Let's see what some of the other ones are. We have some uh, stiff competition, though. So we have our work cut out for us. Again, Tips from the Top Floor is just an amazing show. If you don't listen to that one and you're into digital photography at all, check that one out. It's a very good one. But uh, make sure you vote for me and not them. Uh, There's also Chinese Pod is a very popular one. Grammar Girl is very popular. Um haven't heard of some of these other ones, but there's another photography one up there. So we've got some good competition going on there. Um, if you want to vote for me, you just go to podcastawards.com. I will put it up in the show notes as well if you just want to go there and click on the link. All you have to do is go up there and uh, <clears throat> there's going to be several different categories. You just click the radio button for the one that you want. You actually don't even have to write anything in. You just click the radio button and uh, for Rookie Designer and all the others as well, any other ones that you like in the other categories. Uh, I would ask that you vote for, let's see, Best Video Podcast. There's some great ones in there. And I, I really love Ask a Ninja. It's one of my favorites. But uh, my buddy Randy has one in there. It's the Raider Nation Video Cast. Uh, I know I'm going out, going out on a limb to ask people to vote for something Raider because people either love the Raiders or they hate them. But it's a, it's a pretty cool video cast, and they do a good job, and uh, it's just some interesting stuff from the parking lot of, uh, from basically from tailgating outside of a Raiders game. So uh, if you don't like any of the other ones and you wouldn't mind voting for that, I would ask that you vote for them because they're, they're good guys and they put on a good podcast. Other than that, uh, the rules. 
You can only vote once every 24 hours, but you can vote once every 24 hours. So you can vote every single day if you want to be super gung-ho about this. Again, uh, I'm asking that you do only what you want to do. I'm not going to bug you about this. It's it's not the end of the world if we lose. It would be nice to win, but I think already being in this top 10, we're probably going to get some kind of publicity out of this. Of course, if we won, we would get even more. But, you know, that's up to you guys if you want to vote uh you can vote every day, but it is every 24 hours. So, you know, if you vote in the morning one day and you try and vote earlier in the morning the next day, it's not going to work. It's going to tell you that you haven't waited long enough. If you vote in the evening and try and vote in the afternoon the next day, again, it's not going to work. So best thing to do is pick a, a certain time of day that you want to vote and then go back in maybe a little bit later than the day previous to that. So, um, that's the best way to do it. I, I found I found I had some problems with it. I would go back the same exact time each day, and it would tell me that I still had to wait. So uh, I don't know exactly how it's doing that, but um, you just click on the radio buttons, put your your name and your email address down on the bottom, and it says for some people it will actually send you an email and make you verify that that is your email address. So you might get that as well, and you just got to click on a link in there, and then you're done. But uh, if anybody wants to go up and vote for me, I would definitely appreciate that. Like I said, it's just exposure for the podcast, might get some publicity out of it. And, uh, you know, awards, awards are awards. I don't really care about that. It's just getting the, the name of the show out there and really uh, helping be, build the community around this thing. And uh, that's all I'm going to say about that. What else is there? There are some uh, seminars from O'Reilly. I've been doing some book reports for O'Reilly lately. They've been sending me all of their press releases. And uh, one of those is they're, they're going to be doing a, a series of tutorials, uh, not tutorials, of seminars for the new CS3, new Creative Suite 3. And this thing is going to several different places. I'll name these off for you. Uh, Los Angeles, Dallas, San Francisco, Orlando, Minneapolis, Toronto, Fort Lauderdale, Chicago, Denver, Detroit, Houston, Austin, New York, Philadelphia, Seattle, Washington, D.C., Portland, Boston, Atlanta, and London, and Sydney. So if you're near any of these areas and that sounds interesting to you, I believe this one wasn't... No, I'm totally unprepared today. I don't think this one was too much money, which usually is the problem with these guys. I will be going to, uh, let me mention this as well, I will be going to Photoshop World again in Vegas this year. Uh, I believe it's September 6th, 6th through the 8th or something like that. So if you're going to be there, I'm going to be meeting up with some some people that I met last year from Florida. But if you're going to be at that particular expo, then uh, you know, give me a call, send me an email or something if you want to meet up and, and chit-chat or do something, have a drink or something. Um, as far as these other Creative Suite Expo seminar things go, um, it's all through September and October and some in November. So again, if you're near any of these places, I will put this link up in the show notes and uh, you'll be able to check that out. And I'm trying to find... Okay, here's registration. It's $99 for each day. And I guess there's like a few days they go through each of the each of the programs, I think. And it's $279 for all three days, which is pretty good. When you think that Photoshop World is Photoshop World is huge too. It's it's I'm not even gonna put it on the same playing field, but Photoshop World is like five hundred dollars. So this is a pretty good deal. At under three hundred dollars, you get to learn about everything in the creative suite. Get to, to see all the new things that you can do in CS3 and really get a, a jump start on that functionality. So check that out. Again, I'll put that uh, link in the in the show notes for you if you want to check that out. Uh, our usual programs, you share if anybody wants to share anything with me. We had, uh, I believe his name was James, shared with us a, a little tidbit about you know the different technologies that are out there now and, and whether you should be learning that stuff when we spent a whole episode talking about it. If you want to do something similar and you can record audio, please send it in to me. Send me an MP3 and uh, we'll get it in the show and we'll have a discussion about whatever you want to talk about. If you can't record something, then just go ahead and send me an email of a topic that you'd like to bring up and maybe you can write a couple paragraphs about it and I will respond to that in the show and we can have a discussion about that. The other one is the Tell a Friend program, always going on. Please tell anyone that you can, uh, anyone that you think would be interested or could benefit from this podcast, tell them about it. Tell them to subscribe. Tell them how to subscribe. 
uh, have them join the forums, anything you can. Just get them into this community so that we can grow it. And uh, the more people that we have around us, the better we're going to be because uh, we can learn from every single person. This podcast is being brought to you by GoToMeeting. And GoToMeeting is a piece of software that allows you to meet with other people no matter where they are in the world. And you do this by hosting a meeting on your computer and they log in through uh, an internet browser and they can see every single thing that you're doing on your computer. So every single move that you make, kind of like if you ever watch Quick Tips, how you can see everything that I'm doing on my screen, well, that's actually recorded. This is real time. So people are seeing what you're doing in real time. Again, if you have a client that you need to show some proofs to or something, show some artwork to and get some instantaneous feedback from them on how to how they want to make it better, how they, which direction they want to move in, this is a great tool for that. If you want to have some things something kind of like a seminar where you're showing lots of people, it also has that capability as well. So uh, check that out. If you go to gotomeeting.com forward slash podcast, that's gotomeeting.com forward slash podcast, then you can check that out. You can download it for free and use it for 45 days at no cost. And you just fill out a little form and you'll be able to download that software and try it out. So check that out if you get a chance. So before we dive into the topic, I wanted to talk about one other thing. Uh, I did put out a public service announcement asking people around San Diego if they wanted to participate in this. It was like an Adobe study about Photoshop. And uh, well, nobody contacted me on that. It's too bad because it was very cool. I went to it last night and uh, it was very enlightening. And what this thing was, there was a lot of people. There was, a, there was product managers. There was a product manager. Actually, I have his name right here. Uh, Mike, of course, I don't know if I can say it correctly. Mike Talvinsari, Talvinsari, who is the product manager for the Creative Suite, for all of the Creative Suite products. Um, uh, Evangeline, who is a senior user researcher, and she is uh, basically on the Creative Suite experience team. So they're they're kind of learning about the user experience. How do people use the products? And this one was based specifically on uh, Photoshop. And what they did is they brought us in. There was probably, I think, what, eight or nine people. And they were just trying to learn about how we use Photoshop and how we use the Creative Suite in general. And, you know, to get ideas of how they can make it better, how they can make the the user experience better, how they can improve the workflow, uh, how they can make things so that it's easier to work in the programs, because that's obviously what they're shooting for with all the new versions that they come out with. Now, they actually showed us some functionality, some new things that they're playing around with actually putting into Photoshop CS4. Unfortunately for you guys, they made us all sign a NDA or a non-disclosure agreement, which means I can't talk about anything. Obviously, they want to keep all this functionality under wraps. You know, they don't want to leak anything out. So uh, all I can tell you is there was some very, very cool stuff that they're coming up with, and uh, it's really going to benefit everybody, I think. And uh, it was just cool. It was cool to be able to be in there and see this stuff firsthand before anybody else gets to see it. So what they were doing basically is showing us, you know, different users. I was sitting next to a couple of wedding photographers. Uh, there was another, there was a guy that was a teacher in there, I believe, uh, someone who just retouches photos. Uh, of course, you know what I do and I uh, didn't catch the other ones, but probably some other people that, that use it a little differently. They're trying to get, uh, you know, a good subsection, cross-section of the, the population in San Diego of, of people that use Photoshop for different things so they can see how each person reacts to the features that they're thinking of putting in Photoshop CS4. So um, again, they showed us some of the functionality. We kind of got to give our feedback on, on whether we thought it would be helpful or not, whether we thought it was a good idea. Uh, they also went through a bunch of the functionality of CS3 uh, because a lot of the people there actually didn't have CS3 yet or weren't working on it yet. So a lot of that was kind of a refresher for me because I've seen most of, this, most of that stuff before. Uh, there was one thing that was pretty amazing that I hadn't seen before, and I'm actually going to bring that one to Quick Tips as soon as I can get out and take some photos for it. But uh, pretty cool thing. And I think the coolest thing is actually being able to have... Uh, there was It was 
pretty much one to one with an a, an Adobe person versus you know somebody like me who just came to to see what this stuff was. So a lot of interaction with the people at Adobe. There was people out from San Jose. There actually is an office in San Diego, which I didn't know before. So we we met some of those people, a couple of engineers, a couple of product managers, and some people just from the user experience team. And then, of course, uh, like I said, Mike is the product manager for the Creative Suite. I believe the product manager for... I can't remember what she was for. There was another product manager there as well. But just giving, getting some feedback, getting some ideas of how people use Photoshop and, and what could be done to it to make it better, which is great. Now, I was talking to them and, and they said that this was, pro- this was really one of the first things that they've done like that, which was surprising to me, but also kind of reassuring because, you know, what you want to do, of course, is get the feedback. Now, they just did on Photoshop CS3 their first beta where they released it to everybody to use and give feedback definitely a step in the right direction. I think this one is also because uh, we do this at my work. If you work for any kind of corporation, you probably, if you have any kind of product or service that you're offering to people, you probably have heard of this before. It's usually called a cab, which is a customer advisory board. And that's where you bring in some of your best customers, people that you know, like your product, but also, you know, probably have some problems with it. And they tell you, this is good. Keep doing this. This is not so good. This is These are the things I don't like about your product, and this is where you can make it better. And that's where you get the ideas of how to improve on your products. So uh, pretty cool thing all, all, all in all. And uh, I would definitely advise anybody to participate in any of these types of things if you ever have the opportunity. If anyone ever contacts you, it's, it's a good thing to do, and it's it was fun. So today we're going to be talking about Multimedia advertising, and, and basically what we're talking about here is TV advertising and where it's going, or where it's already started to go, or where it's going to go. Now, TV in the olden days, up until now, we know is, is basically standard commercial breaks. You have a break in your program that's like uh, you know two minutes or so, or probably more these days. You have a bunch of 30-second commercials, maybe you know a 15-second station identification, or they go to the little news update thing or or something like that. But basically you're watching a show and it has breaks where they break for commercials. And in these commercials, they're of course selling some kind of product or service to you. The first commercial that ever aired was July 1st, 1941. And it was for the Bolivo watch company, which uh, back then was a watch and clock maker in New York. They paid $8 for a 20-second slot on NBC, and it aired before a baseball game went on. So you can see uh, we've come a long way from there. $8 won't get you much anymore. You're lucky if it gets you uh, a lunch, much less a 20-second commercial. Um, Commercials, of course, have have grown in popularity, and they kind of morphed into something that, that... before it was kind of strictly informational. They were trying to get the point across of this is our product, this is what it does, this is why you need it, and this is why you're going to buy it. Now, they still do that to an extent, but it's really morphed into something that's more entertainment. And it's because of the fact that people don't like commercials. They want to watch their program. They don't want to be bothered with this stuff. So what they had to do was make these commercials entertaining to actually kind of suck you in. And they still do give you, they might not give you every single piece of information that they used to or that they want to, but they'll give you just enough so that it'll leave you thinking, okay, well, maybe I do want to try this. I'm going to go research it. I'm going to go look it up on the internet. Uh, I'm going to read about it in a magazine or something like that. And it's just enough to to hook you in and, and make you want to buy it. Now, this, of course, started with things like annoying jingles, which have been around forever. The annoying jingles that get stuck in your head and you just can't get it out. And that's how you remember their product because you just cannot, for the life of you, forget this stupid song in your head. Uh, That, of course, morphed over into several things, but what it is pretty much these days is the funny commercials. They're entertaining because they're hilarious and it makes you remember, most times, what that commercial was for. And they do this by making like a series of commercials so that you remember, okay, you're saying, oh, well, I remember that last one. This one's kind of like that. And this is what the product was. And I like it because it's funny or I like it because whatever reason, whatever the reason may be. 
But, you know, it can go too far. There are commercials that I have have remembered because they were funny or because they were entertaining, yet I didn't remember what the product was. And that's that's a good case of people not doing their job. They're getting a little too much emphasis on making something entertaining and not enough on making sure the customer remembers what the actual product was or service was so that they can remember that later and go and buy it. So uh, there definitely are some uh, some lines there that you can cross and actually get on the wrong side of. Most of these ads are created by ad agencies, and I'd say these days probably about, I don't know, 98%, 99%. You will still see some of the smaller companies. I see smaller companies that advertise, like local companies that advertise. They probably use uh, some kind of designer, maybe a freelance person or something like that. I can't fathom that they're actually using an ad agency that that knows what they're doing because they're just the most horrendous commercials I've ever seen. Um, all kinds of bad Photoshop effects and stuff like that. So um, there are some bad ones out there, but most companies, especially the big giant companies, they're going to be using big reputable ad agencies because let's face it, these things cost a lot of money. They pump a lot of money into these things. They only have 30 seconds to get their point across and you know that's not very much time, so they need to use it very wisely. They need somebody who knows what they're doing and can get that message across in that short amount of time. Now, I actually had the opportunity to be in a commercial once, and let me tell you, it was crazy. This thing is like a huge production, and you can tell why it costs so much. So I, I don't remember the name of the company that that was, the commercial was for, but it was one of those ones where it's a it's a website where you go and you can plan your vacation, you can plan your airfare, you can get a rental car, you can get your hotel, all that stuff, all in one place. So... Um, Basically, the the theme here was there was some parents with a a young kid. He was probably a teenager or something. They wanted to go on vacation, and they're thinking, you know, should we leave the kid here? And they start, you know, thinking about what that would be like. And it's basically this big, giant house party where the, the kid throws this party, and there's, like, hundreds of kids at the house. They have this big, beautiful house, and they're trashing the house, and they're all out in the backyard with a pool. And uh, they got the kid up in the lazy boy chair and they just throw the whole thing in the pool. And then, of course, the parents decide that they're going to take the kid with them because they don't want that. But, you know, this thing was humongous. It had a producer. It had a director. It had, you know, every piece that you would have in in rec- or in filming a TV show or an actual feature film. It was a huge production. There was tons and tons of extras. There was like your two, your three main people would be the parents and the kid, um, I don't know that you can call them like stars or anything like that, but they would be the main actors in the thing. Uh, I was in the band at that point, or as in one of my bands at that point, so we were the band at the party. We actually had some close-up shots of us, but didn't make it in. The director or the uh, producer actually didn't like them, but um, it was it was a huge production. They actually rented this giant house out for a couple of days to to film. Had huge backyard, big pool. It was in uh, some suburb of L.A. where there's just tons of rich people. And like I said, just tons of extras. They spent a, a crap load of money on this thing. So like I said, you know, it costs a lot of money. they got to get a lot out of it. And uh, this becomes important when we start talking about some of the other stuff in, in the, uh, the next section here. But, you know, not only does it cost a ton of money to make the commercial, it also costs a ton of money to actually place the commercial, to have it go on air on the stations. And I'm sure everybody's probably heard, I think the Super Bowl plays pretty much all over the world. Uh, might not be such a big deal to everybody else, but it's a big deal here. And it costs a lot a lot of money to get that 30-second ad in there. It costs millions of dollars these days. So obviously, you want to make sure you make good use of that money if you're going to buy one of those slots. And that's why companies like uh, GoDaddy has been in there in the past, and they use their their busty chick to try and bring sale. I don't know how that relates to uh, the community as a mass, but you know, maybe they're trying to bring in guys that are, they're securing domains. I don't know what the thinking is behind that, but uh, you have those, you have the, uh, the Budweiser ones are always kind of funny, satirical types of commercials, but it's a big deal. There's people that watch the Super Bowl just to watch the commercials. So um, this is kind of where we are right now. It's, it's rapidly changing, as I said, 
but that's kind of where we come from and where we are. I'm sure everybody, no matter what age you are, you probably grew up watching some form of commercials that were given to you in commercial breaks in whatever programming you are watching. So after that, uh, a little ways, a little ways back, a little ways back for me anyways, you have kind of the new kids on the block. And we're not talking about boy bands here. We're talking about technology. And that is before you just had your TV, you got to watch whatever comes on it. Well, then came the VCR and the VCR gave you a little more flexibility. You could actually record your shows that you wanted on tape and, uh, watch them at a later time if you want to keep them and watch them over and over again. And you, this is the first time you were able to actually fast forward through commercials, which I'm sure we all did. The problem with VCRs is they're kind of a pain to set up. You know, the, you got to set up the timer. You uh, record shows over and over again, maybe. And each time you record over the tape, the quality just gets worse and worse. So when you watch back, it looks real bad. So now you're buying more tapes. You got a ton of these tapes. They're humongous. It's just kind of a hassle. So uh, after that, TiVo came out. And that, of course, uh, I think most people know what that is, but it allows you to record TV programming. It gives you basically a schedule of what's coming on on your TV, and you get to program it to just go ahead and grab certain shows at different time slots. And this is this was the first time that you could actually record something uh, you don't have to worry about tapes or anything like that. It's all digital. It's saved on a hard drive, and you can access it at any time and watch it again. Uh, my mom still uses a TiVo. I, I actually don't like them, and I hate that little noise that it makes. Uh, I find them to be a little annoying, so I never really used one. But it's it was the first time that it really gave you that flexibility to watch something right when you want to watch it. Now, you could do that with a VCR, but... You got to tape something and then you got to rewind it. You got to cue it up to the right area. This thing, you go through a list and you pick which one you want and you watch it immediately. And again, it gives you that flexibility of being able to fast forward through the commercials. After that, uh, the cable companies kind of caught on to what was going on there. Uh, TiVos are pretty expensive. The good thing about cable companies is they usually, all their hardware, they just rent to you. Now, the good thing about that is for them, they make lots of money. Because they say, oh, it's $5, $10 a month. And that to you seems like, you know, that's a good deal. Rather than spending $150, $200, $300, whatever it is for a TiVo. Although, if you have cable for, you know, a certain amount of time and you're renting that hardware, that adds up, of course. And eventually you're paying about as much as you would for a TiVo. But easier to swallow when it's in small increments like that. So they caught on to what TiVo was doing and they released the DVR which is a digital video recorder, which is basically the same thing. Now you have to have digital cable to use these things, but again, it gives you your uh, program guide of what's coming on, and you can uh, fast forward through that up to like a week, so you can see what's coming on, you know, maybe the, the following Tuesday, and record something. And again, gives it to you in a list, and uh, well, it puts it on a hard drive, and it gives it to you in a list, and you can just pick, pick and choose whatever you want. Start it from whatever point in the program you want. Skip all the commercials. Uh, so people really, after these things came out, people aren't watching TV the same way that they always did. Back in the day, they had to watch whatever was on. I mean, if a commercial break comes on, then you could get up and go go to the refrigerator and get something to eat. But there's no way to fast forward through it. You had to wait that two to three to five minutes or whatever it is before the show comes back on. Nowadays, people watch what they want, when they want, if they want to. Um, gone are the days when, when channels are, are really kind of putting, butting heads and putting their best shows in the same time slot so they can go up against each other and see who wins. That kind of stuff doesn't really exist anymore because if you like all those shows, you can watch one and record two others at the same time and not miss a thing. So things are really changing here. And of course, the biggest thing here is the ability to fast forward through the commercials. Skip the commercials. And let me tell you, I love this. Um, I record all kinds of shows, and I actually like to wait a while and miss the shows and let them stack up in the DVR so that I can watch them without the commercials. So much better. This, of course, is a big problem for advertisers, though, because they're spending thousands and thousands of dollars on the production of making the commercial. They're spending the money on the placement of the commercial, trying to put it in just the right time slot so the audience that they want will see it. And uh, 
a lot of times they're not seeing it anymore because they're just fast forwarding it right through it. So obviously a big problem for these advertisers and they need to do something about this to, uh, to really catch up to what's going on. Um, cable companies again, kind of see the phenomenon going on of people not wanting to watch commercials, wanting to watch programming when they want to watch it, not having to be at the TV at a certain time so that they catch it. So another thing they put out is video on demand. Again, usually comes with the digital cable, but a programming that's there for you whenever you want it. And you can go and you can choose it. There's several different options, but you can watch it basically whenever you want. There's no time limit. I don't believe that there's any commercials. Uh, I could be wrong about that. I don't watch it too much myself, but if anything, there's probably commercials for the actual cable cable company or something like something like that. So with all these changes and how people are actually watching TV or watching programming, the advertisers really have to do something to counteract all these changes that are going on and get those ads out to the people some other way. And uh, that's what we're going to get into right after this. The keys to the game. Our key command for today is to jump to a certain page in InDesign. This is a very handy thing, especially if you're on a multi-page document and you know exactly what page you want to go to. You just need to use this trusty little key command and you'll jump right there. So a little bit of a difference here in CS3, it actually gives you a prompt dialog box. So you press the key command and it gives you a little dialog box. You type in the number and then you hit enter. In CS2, it works a little, di a little bit differently. When you hit the key command, it actually throws you into the little box that's at the very bottom of your document. There's a little box down there that, that actually gives you the page numbers. Uh, if you click it, it actually gives you a list of the page numbers, but you can also, hitting this key command will just jump you right into that box and you can type the number and press return or enter, and it'll do the same thing that it does in CS3. So to activate this, you're going to press on the Mac Command and J, and on the PC, that's Control and J. So we talked about the traditional advertising methods of TV, but there's a lot more stuff going on these days. And before we get into how advertiser act, advertisers are actually going to counteract what's going on and, and still get that content out to people, I wanted to talk about the internet. Because the internet is changing and it's probably doing the most damage to TV, but it's changing everything. It's really kind of turned up the heat on the situation with sites like YouTube, where people can go and get instant video on demand, I guess you could call it. They can search for anything and find any video that they want to see. Now, YouTube kind of has this infestation problem with people putting stuff from TV on there, which is illegal, of course, because it's, uh, it's, it's against the copyright laws. They're, they're infringing on people's copyrights. So, you know, they do their best to keep that stuff off of there, but it does find its way on there. But pretty much anything you want to watch, if you want to watch clips of things, then you can find it on sites like YouTube. There are other sites popping up here and there. They're doing kind of the same thing with video clips, but there are other sites also that are giving you actual programming, kind of like on the TV. It's not the same things maybe that you would find on TV, but, you know, some of them are. But it's, it's new ways to watch programming on the internet and not have those annoying commercial breaks that you had before. So of course this is uh, it's really kind of putting a damper on TV and the, the tradi traditional methods that they've used for advertising. Other things are peer-to-peer -peer sharing. A lot of people use this to download music of course, to download applications, but a lot of people use it to download TV shows, which you can most definitely get. People record them all over the place and put them up there. Uh, the other thing is BitTorrent. A lot of people use uh, torrents to actually do the same thing, download uh, TV series from other people. People are kind of abandoning the, TV, abandoning the TV altogether and getting their content from their computer. And other good examples of this are iTunes. iTunes first came out with the movies that you could download, and put them right on your iPod and have them ready to go with you wherever you go. Uh, they started also doing TV shows. And of course, these things do not have any commercial breaks in them. It's like buying the DVD set of a TV series. All you're getting is the content. You don't have to watch commercials. Uh, there's probably com some kind of commercials for buying other DVD sets on the DVD. But as far as watching the actual programming, all you're seeing is the content itself. You don't have to watch any 
commercials at all. So basically, we're moving towards this where people can download stuff, put it on their iPod or put it on whatever player that they have, and carry that stuff with them at any time and watch it whenever they want. So it's evolving even more from I have it on you know a machine that I can access using my TV and watch it whenever I want to now it's coming with me wherever I go. I can plug it into the car and maybe watch it on the... Uh, the little TV DVD thing in the car. I can watch it anywhere. I could take it to my friend's house. I can just watch it on my iPod if I'm on on you know an airplane. Sometimes I actually read a story about how iPods are going to hook into airplane TVs and you'll be able to watch it that way. So things are evolving here and, and advertisers are really, really starting to lose out. So there are things that they're trying to do to combat these changes. Now for your regular TV, you're going to find certain things we're talking about just regular programming first here, uh, commercial bumpers. Now, bumpers are the little maybe 15-second things that you see in between uh, a commercial and a show or a show going to a commercial. Usually shows go straight to commercial, but when they come back, there'll they'll be some kind of bumper. And like I talked about, sometimes you'll have the news update that's like 15 seconds, and right after that, there might be... A, it's It's something from the station that gives you a station identification... Uh, it has their logo on it. It tells you maybe some of the programming that's coming up, you know, after the program that you're watching. Very, very common things like this. Um, they're not always product related or service related, but a lot of times they will be sponsored, even if that means just uh, having a logo of a product or service on there, or maybe saying that, you know, this next program is brought to you by so and so. Where you see that a lot or where the the thing that that jumped out to me that I remember is a halftime show in the middle of a a football game because they always have that halftime show. And the first thing they do is they go over to the halftime show, but they don't really say anything. It just goes to this thing and it says, you know, coming up next, the halftime show brought to you by, you know, Pizza Hut or whoever it was. And uh, a good example of that. Um, You also see these things that uh, they'll show a movie and... This can be on the, uh, the major networks. I've also seen it on cable networks. But they'll give you this whole movie presented commercial-free. But the catch to this is it's presented commercial-free by Pizza Hut. You know, So um, it's not really commercial-free because they're saying that, but it is commercial-free because you don't have to watch the, the regular standard 30-second commercial, commercials. So um, <clears throat> they do take breaks. As far as I can remember, because I know I've watched one of these before, they do actually still give you uh, somewhat of a commercial for their their network. That's that's the one thing that they can still do because they don't just play it nonstop, nonstop. Because they break a couple of times and they keep telling you that you know this is being presented to you commercial free by whatever company it is. They want to make sure that you know that they paid to to have no commercials in this thing, which probably cost them a lot of money. So definitely they're going to say the name of that product or the name of that company as many times as they possibly can in that, you know, hour and a half or however long it is. The next one, um, something that's been around for a very, very long time is paid programming. And you probably know this better as infomercials, uh, Ronco or, you know, whatever it is, the, the amazing clean it all mop or whatever. So this is a, a different way of advertising. Of course, it's all just one big advertisement. Um, it's, something that shows you how to use a product or something like that, or show you how amazing it is. And, you know, this either works or it doesn't work. If you really want to watch 30 minutes about, you know, some amazing mop, then you're going to watch it. If you don't, then you're not going to watch it. So that, like I said, it either works or it doesn't work. Uh, I don't think it's really a proven method of selling things. Although, you know, I've never tried it myself, so I don't know. But that's definitely something that's still around. And usually, you know, those things are going to be on after all the regular programming, after your late night or late, late shows. And nobody's really watching TV anymore. That's when they put them on. So that's another way. Um, Not really combating anything that's happening. That's just uh, something that that probably will always be there and, and seems like it always has been there. One of the biggest changes that I've seen is in lower thirds. And I want to go through and explain what lower thirds are, just in case you don't know. It's most common in uh, it's most common in newscasting, 
And it's the little graphics that go at the bottom, the lower third of the screen, which is why they're called lower thirds, of course. There's a couple different kinds. There's one tier lower thirds, and that's usually just giving the person's name that's that's speaking. There's a two tier, which gives you usually the, the person's name and where they are, like the location. And then there's three tiers, which give you even more information. But like I said, it's most common in news because they're going to tell you, they want to tell you who's reporting, or maybe if they're talking to somebody, you know, at an incident, at a scene, they're going to tell you who that is. If it's a police officer or something like that, uh, they'll tell you where it is and maybe what's going on. That's where this stuff pretty much started. It has definitely gone over into everything else. Now, you might remember not too long ago, I think a couple of years ago, it started out with... Uh, I'm not sure if TNT is international, but uh, those of you in the U.S. will know TNT started off and they have the little watermark of their station logo down in the right-hand corner. And it's always there. And every once in a while, maybe something would kind of slide out and would have some text saying, you know, so-and-so show coming on next or coming on at tonight at 8, this movie or something like that. That wasn't too bad. These things have really, really evolved into something more annoying than ever. And again, this is mostly used for advertising programming, which means they want to tell you about what shows are coming on next. They want to show, tell you what movies are coming on this weekend. But, you know, there there are those occasions when, you know, a certain event, maybe like a NASCAR event is coming on there and it's sponsored by somebody and you might get some kind of product endorsement or something in there. These things have become so out of hand, in my opinion, it's, it's just ridiculous. It started with the station logo, like I said. Things would pop out, you know, just words maybe. But this has really evolved into almost a little tiny feature at the bottom of your screen. They're fully animated now. You'll see a lot of them that are video with alpha channels, meaning there's like a person, maybe a person from one of the shows is standing there, or maybe they're doing something. And uh, it's all cut out around them. You only see the person, and then they have some kind of banner come out from behind them, and uh, you know it tells what time or whatever. Uh, one that I remember from TNT was actually for NASCAR, and it was uh, a car that would drive up, and it was like this guy would jump over the uh, the pit crew wall, and it was actually all done with alpha channels. It was pretty cool, but this guy, it was video of a guy done... I'm assuming on a green screen, he would jump from behind this graphic, which made it look like he was jumping over a wall, and then he would be, uh, you know, taking the, changing the tire on the car, and then would drive off. And some of these things, they even have sound effects on them. You could hear the car driving right in the middle of you trying to watch this movie. So um, things are becoming very intrusive, and I think TV is kind of, kind of overreacting to certain things in these ways. They know that you're fast-forwarding through the commercials, which means that you're not going to get to you know certain things like what's coming on next, what what's coming on this weekend. Um, what's coming on next probably isn't that relevant if you taped the thing. What's coming on this weekend? Maybe you know, maybe you watch the shows you know the next day after you tape them, and you'll still catch that. They're just trying to find ways of getting this information to you without having to do it in between the shows in the commercial breaks. But I, I think that it's just going too far with these kind of things because it's just it's interrupting the the actual experience of watching the show that you're watching. Now on the internet, uh, some of the biggest changes are going on here as related to the TV. Of course, they know that people are peer to peer sharing episodes of their shows. Nor normally, be old episodes. I don't think most people don't have new episodes before they come out. Although I'm sure. Somehow there's people out there that do, because there's all kinds of uh, people that have movies before they come out. But one of the things that these TV stations have started doing that I'm seeing like all over, all across the board is offering free access to their old episodes. You go to their website and they have an archive of probably at least the season that you're watching. In some cases, maybe even older seasons as well, where you can go up and you can get your video on demand. You can watch the show. Um, I do believe that it makes you watch commercials. I can't, can't, I haven't verified that. I, I actually don't watch TV on the internet that much, but I can imagine most of these things are streaming flash players, which means you have no control. You press play and you can't fast forward, rewind, 
You can't move the timeline at all. You can't do anything. You got to watch whatever is on there. Kind of going back to the old days of TV, you know, where you couldn't fast forward through. You had to watch what, whatever was there. Uh, one place that I can comment where they do this, and this is why I think that they probably do it on those as well, is ESPN. If you go to ESPN.com, watch little video clips of you know interviews with with uh, sports athletes, or you watch video clips of a game or something like that. They actually make you watch a commercial. They make you watch one commercial for every two video clips that you watch. And what happens is you pick the one that you want to watch, you click on it, and instantly it comes up with a commercial that's uh, 20 or 30 seconds, something like that. So you say, okay, this sucks. Uh, if you try and click on other things, it's just going to give you that commercial again. Okay, so you watch the commercial, you watch that video that you wanted, and then it goes on to the next one. You watch that one. And then if you continue, it goes on to another commercial. So basically every two videos, you have to watch another commercial. This is one of the ways that they force you, like I said, back back kind of like the old days where you couldn't control anything because it's a streaming player. You got to wait for this commercial to go. So you have to watch it. Other things they do, of course, uh, they can brand anything on the page. They can brand the video player that you're watching with logos of products or services or companies. Uh, there's probably some kind of banner ads all around it. And, and this is the way that they get those advertisements in front of you when you're not actually watching them, them on TV. Uh, another thing they do to bring audience members to the site, they use things like podcasts. You'll notice a lot of shows will have podcasts now. Uh, one of the ones that I was listening to was the Lost podcast. If anyone watches Lost, uh, they had that. Uh, I also watched The Shield, which has uh, something kind of like that. It's not, a, I think they call it a podcast. It's not really a podcast. It's You can go to their website and record something for them. Uh, a lot of them have blogs. Um, they also have contests, and the contests are sponsored by the advertisers. So if you want to you know, enter the contest, a lot of times you'll have to actually go to this uh, advertiser's website or go to a page that's linked to their website to fill out the information to win the contest. And then you know, they try and get you to check the box which says that they can send you email spams and all this other kind of stuff. So it kind of goes into that way of, of getting people who are watching the show to still see the advertising somehow by going on the internet and, and checking out these other things which have advertisements all over them. Now, it may not be as effective. It may not be the same thing as somebody who actually watches a 30-second commercial on TV, but it's doing kind of the same thing. It's getting you in front of that company and uh, get, getting it in your head that you know maybe this is some kind of product or service that you may want or may need. In TVs and movies... There's a little different thing. Uh, there's something called branded entertainment. And this is definitely not a new idea. What this does is it basically works the products into the programming. And this is something that's been going on. It's been done in TV uh, since long ago. Uh, this, this, Like I said, not a new idea. But we're seeing kind of a resurgence of it with uh, all the changes that are going on. Um, God, what was it, 10 years ago? There was a movie called Demolition Man, uh, Sylvester Stallone and Wesley Snipes. It was supposed to be this futuristic thing where the, the criminal gets frozen and so does the cop and the criminal gets out. So they got to unfreeze the cop anyways. Uh, rent it if you want. It's not that good. The main idea here was that it's the future and all the restaurants have kind of combined into this one. And that restaurant is Taco Bell. And they actually go and they have a dinner there and they talk about it a couple of times this is branded entertainment. They're talking about this company, this service or product or whatever in the movie. It's supposedly not really infringing upon you because it's worked into the movie, but it's quite obvious that it's a big commercial for Taco Bell. One of the best examples lately, I went and saw the Transformers movie, and they, this thing is just riddled with this kind of advertising. Uh, the first thing, well, first off the bat, the Transformers are all Chevy or GM cars. And there are several times in the movie where they're kind of just driving through this desert on this lone highway, all in a row, all perfectly driving and, and like moving around and stuff. And it looks exactly like a car commercial. It, it's just completely ridiculous. Uh, I actually did like this movie because of the uh, coolness factor. And I grew up right when Transformers were popular, but... Uh, there were certain things about this movie that just didn't sit well with me, and that was one of them. 
And of course, you know, you had the commercials on TV that went right along with it, where they had cars transforming from robots. Uh, Another one is eBay. Everything was about eBay. There was a certain item that this kid had that he was trying to sell on eBay, and it just happened that that was very key to the movie. But they kept talking about eBay this and eBay that, and it was a huge eBay commercial. And then also there was a phone. There was this phone that they did something to. I'm not going to give the movie away, but they did something to the phone, and it and it did something, and they just kept talking about, you know, this Nokia phone. And uh, they mentioned it again uh, at least three times, the brand of the phone, which really had absolutely nothing to do with what they were doing with it. It could have been any cell phone, but they said Nokia. So, you know, this is the way things are going as I can see it. And if you're the people that are actually producing this movie – you're looking pretty smart right now because these people probably had to pay tons of money for you to basically put a commercial in the middle of your movie about their product. So I doubt they had to pay much for this movie. They probably don't even have to make their money back to actually make some profits on the movie because they've already been paid so much money by these people who are placing products in it. So pretty smart from their point of view, but a little annoying from the viewer's point of view. You also see this a lot on TV programs. Um, I think some of the biggest ones that I would say are like these ones that are geared toward teens, like the OC, where they would have, they would go into the kid's room and there's like these band posters all over the place. And you can definitely read what band it is. That is advertising for that band. And even more so because this is like the cool kid in high school and this is their room. So they must listen to that band. So I got to listen to them too. Now, one of the cool things that they would do with these shows is they would work in, you know, music. And at the end of the show, they would do that tie-in and they would say, this show featured music from blah, blah, blah. And they would also sell the music that way. But definitely the placement of the posters, um, soft drinks, what kind of drinks they're drinking. You know, it always happens that they're drinking it so you can still read the label. Uh, What kind of cell phones they have, all this stuff, the clothes that they're wearing. All these things are put in there for a certain reason because they want you to buy that stuff and they want you to think, oh, well, that person is cool. They're on TV. I want to be cool, so I'll buy that too. Uh, All just kind of almost subliminal sometimes, but uh, definitely placed there for a reason. And uh, another thing that you'll see is sometimes they actually black out the names of things. And this is when uh, people aren't getting paid. Maybe they'll try and get paid. You know, they'll they'll say, we're going to place your product in our TV show or in our movie. And, uh, you know, this is how much money we want for that. And the company will say, well, um, we don't want to spend money on that. So I, I've seen it many, many times. Probably two, two of the most popular things are Dell laptops and Apple laptops. And you'll see them in shows all the time. And basically all they have to do, even though you know it's an Apple, so they kind of get away with it anyways. But I've seen tons of shows where they use the Apple laptops, um, the PowerBooks, the silver ones, And they'll just put some kind of uh, decal or a sticker over the Apple so you can't see that. But it's quite obvious that it's an Apple because no other laptop looks like that. So really, they're kind of getting some advertising out of that anyways, even though they covered up the, the little Apple logo. But all good examples of how advertising is kind of evolving into something else rather than just depending on people staying in their seat and watching these commercial breaks because it's just not happening. Even people that can't afford DVRs, I mean, they always run the risk. We talk about on the internet how it's important to make sure that your advertising is good and keeps people on that page because all it takes is one click for them to click to another page and not see that advertising anymore. In the same way, uh, you know, if you make something in print in a magazine, it's very easy for somebody to turn the page and not read it if it's not compelling enough. So, you know, people thinking that that people are going to stick around and watch these commercial breaks, it's just kind of naive for them to think that that, that's going to continue to work. Because even if you don't have the DVR and you can't fast forward, you can always just get up, you can change the channel, you can get up and leave for two minutes and not watch it. So, of course, they've been dealing with that one for a lot longer, but now, you know, people can, they do have the ability to fast forward through those commercials and not watch them. So, um, how does this affect you? It might not at all. Uh, It might affect you only as a consumer. Uh, If you work in or around TV, film, video, even internet video, then this is going to definitely affect your job. 
uh, you have to find new ways to include this advertising for your audience, get new ways for them to, to be exposed to it, because basically this is what's paying for the programming that you're watching. Um, this stuff isn't for free. You know, people don't put things on TV. Think people don't put things on the internet for free. Um, well, for the most part, some things you will find for free, but mostly everything has something backing it, some kind of advertising, some kind of person putting money into it for some reason. So you need to find ways to get that advertising out to the, the audience that's watching the programming. If you're merely a consumer, you're probably trying to figure out a way how to avoid the ads. So it's that uh, constant cycle of, you know, somebody's trying to get you to watch something and you're trying to figure out a way not to watch it. And that will continue forever. But it really, it's, it's going to keep evolving to fit the needs of the advertisers who fund the programming that you watch. And I say, you know, pretty much nothing is for free. This podcast is for free, but you'll notice that I actually do have an advertiser. I have, uh, you know, GoToMeeting who gives me money to advertise their product. And that in turn keeps me going. It makes me able to spend the hours that I do producing this podcast and putting it out for you guys. And it's, you know, relatively commercial free. We have the one interruption for that and that's it. The rest of it is all content. So, um, it's just something that's always, it's always going to be back and forth. It's, it's a constant struggle because people maybe don't like commercials, but you know, that's what funds what you watch. If you like the rest of the stuff that you watch, then it's just something you're going to have to put up with at some point in some way, shape or form, whether it be, you know, in commercial breaks, whether it be in the middle of this podcast, whether it be banners all over a page that, that you have to go to, to sign up for a blog or a contest or a forum or something, it's going to be something like that. So, uh, this probably is a topic that, that we should discuss, though. If anybody wants to put up something on the forum, I think it's a good thing to talk about because it's definitely something that's changing. Things are a lot different today than they were five, ten years ago. Um, there weren't all these concerns. There weren't, you know, the big, there wasn't the big iPod surge and there, there wasn't all this stuff on the internet there, that there is now. So definitely some things to think about. And like I said, if you're in one of those fields, you're definitely going to have to deal with this. And one thing we didn't even get into is mobile devices, like your cell phone. You can get video on demand. You can get all kinds of stuff. You can get TV programming on your cell phone now. And there's definitely some advertising that goes along with that as well. So maybe that's something that could be brought up as well. But uh, I think we covered uh, a lot of the bases here and uh, we're running pretty late. So let's move on to the next thing. Now, that's what I call a rookie mistake. The tip for today is to not be intimidated by the requirements on a job description. Now, I've seen numerous job postings. Uh, I'm, I'm always interested in looking at the job postings all over. I look at uh, Craigslist all the time. I look at Creative Hot List and, and definitely check that one out if you uh, are into design. But seeing lots of postings out there that ask for a ridiculous amount of experience as it relates to like the salary that they're going to give you and, and what they expect out of you. So what I say is, and, and I was told this by my teacher when I was in school, he said, you guys are, are going to be fresh out of school. You're not going to have much experience. You're going to find jobs out there that say you need one or two years experience. Don't worry about that. If you know that you can do the job, if you know that you have the skills to do the job, then why not apply for it? Now, the requirements are there for a reason, and I don't want to say totally disregard everything. If you don't know how to do you know, several aspects of the job, then you have no business applying for it. Could you still do it? Yeah, you can still apply for it, but uh, they're probably going to be laughing at you when they read the resume, and they're just going to toss it to the side. But just because you don't have ample experience in one or two respects Maybe you know how to do, you know, five other requirements, but there's one that you're not that good at or one that maybe you don't know too much about at all. That doesn't mean that you shouldn't apply. Go ahead and apply anyways, because the worst thing that they can do is just pass you over and talk badly behind your back. But, um, you know, this kind of stuff happens all the time. I see it at, at my work because my boss actually shares when somebody wants to become part of our team, he shares their either their resume or he shares details of the interview with everybody on the team or he lets people go in and talk to the person themselves. So you see this a lot. I mean, and, and this is stuff that I don't know anything about, but 
they've been looking for programmers and there's a certain laundry list of things that you have to know to be able to survive in this job and people come in and they don't have those requirements and uh you know it's you could say it's a waste of their time sure but this is somebody who's trying to get a job and is doing all that they can to get that job so you know i'd say it's okay if you don't have every single last requirement filled go ahead and send your resume anyways just be sure that they know that your skill set may not include all of the things that they've asked for but do not let them know in the cover letter do not let them know in your resume make sure you get to that interview and then you can tell them what you know and what you don't know things are getting a bit out of hand looks like it's time to go to the bullpen Our bullpen entry is from one of our listeners, Robert. I want to thank him for that. Uh, This is a great one because we were talking about, I believe in the last episode, somebody was asking about, you know, can I make my portfolio or my business website on something like MySpace, something that's easy to create a web page on? And I said, you know, that's probably not a good idea. Well, Robert heard that and he sent this in. It's a website called freewebs.com and, uh, spelled exactly like it sounds, F-R-E-E-W-E-B-S.com. And this, uh, I haven't actually built one myself, but let me just tell you what it says here. It says, create a free website. Uh, Making a website is fast and really easy. Choose from hundreds of templates, create single web page or full website, add a blog profile, forum, chat room, and more. And it's for family, for work, or just for fun. And they have these little... Things at the bottom, FreeWebs lets you share pictures and video, connect and keep in touch, customize with widgets, and publish like a pro. And they have a little PayPal thing here, which means that looks like you can set up things to actually make money as well. But share pictures and videos is what we're talking about here. If we want to set up some kind of portfolio site, then it looks like you're able to do that. It might not be the, uh, the most interactive thing that you've ever made or that you've ever had, but at least you have the ability to put pictures of your your works up and even videos if you do video. So uh, check out freewebs.com and uh, maybe that's something that you could use instead for your business or for your portfolio site if you don't know how to make web pages yourself. All right, real quick before we get out of here, once again, please tell a friend or a stranger or anybody you think could benefit from this podcast, tell them where it is, tell them how to subscribe and uh, help grow this community. If you want to contact me at any time, you can do so Adam at rookie designer.com myspace.com slash rookie designer. Uh, you can Skype me and send me an instant message at username Titan strides. And uh, you can also go to the forum rookie designer.com slash forum. Great way to interact with me as well as hundreds of other designers all over the world and there's some great stuff going on up there also uh, we are a finalist in the podcast award so if you do want to give me a vote you're able to vote once every day just go to podcastawards.com uh, check the little radio button for ricky designer and all your other favorites uh, add your name and your email address and send that in and you might get an email you might get an email that you have to click on a link as well to verify your email address all right i want to thank everybody for listening Thanks for spreading the word. Thank you for the emails, the MySpace messages and everything. And thanks for uh, being patient with me while I was on vacation. It was much needed. And uh, everybody remember that everyone's a rookie before they're an all-star. That one's high. It's got the distance. It's high. When dividing up circles First you straighten the curves Now they're running in parallel But it won't be the first time If you hold on a while There's another one coming Slowly unweakened For the sake of us all Set on fire to test it Made the company
Somewhere it goes